This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Paul. Guess what I've decided to do? What did you decide to do? I've decided to look on the bright side of all things. And so today, I would like to thank... 2020 and COVID-19 and the civil rights movement and everything that's going on right now for helping me clear out my friends list on Facebook. You know, that's not a terrible thing to be thankful for. No, I agree. So our mayor today announced that we're mandatory masks inside businesses, which I thought was just understood, but apparently our people have to be like told, I mean, you're in Texas, so you get it. But boy, do I ever somebody that I used to work with that I no longer do. And I also um, just I never super like this person, but they're the person that's going to come in one day with a sawed off shotgun. And I want them to thank me for giving them a Snickers. Like Mm. um, he said, the government now says I have to wear a mask and I carry a gun with me at all times. You can't wear a mask and carry a gun. So they're violating my constitutional law and i was like you're unstable who the fuck told you to carry a gun like who signed off on this first of all he is correct you cannot carry a gun with your face covered however i believe that the greater good of not killing everyone in your town is more important than his right to carry a gun Bring it in the car and leave it there while you have your mask on, you little fucking baby. Well, and this particular guy should probably just put it in the car, drive it to the police station, and be like, hey, bro, I just realized that I don't need this. And then go to Walmart. (laughs) Bro, I just realized that whoever gave me this made, like, a huge mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of... um, thankfulness and positivity positivity would you like to see my new journal i would love to yes fuck all y'all that is awesome it so it is amazing um it has little categories oh i love that so what what so it's just like a short like minute journal and it's today's garbage humans Today's gar- today's garbage activities. <laughs> lessons lessons learned from all this garbage. And at least the world still has blank for now. <laughs> I love that so has, much. It has a rating system at the bottom where you can rate your day with stars or garbage cans. That is the best. well i love it you've already actually participated in this laugh but i just want to relive this experience so we we got our um merch samples in today and the people who ordered on the first couple of days i think their merch is coming in right now too so i just like to point out where's my merch uh it's at my house i accidentally had it shipped to me so i'll ship it to you Thank you. Um, so I'm gonna wear my rep- weaponize your privilege shirt to my dad's house and really piss him yes. off. Yes, I thought I had made our stickers to be like an inch and a half by an inch and a half, or maybe like two inches on each dimension tops. This thing, mm-hmm. like, 
You can't put it on your car because it'll cover the entire fucking windshield. What did I do? <laughs> You're going to get pulled over and be like, sir. <laughs> How do you see? Can you send them back? I didn't even ask you that earlier. I don't think so. So I'm just going to go put them on lampposts around my town. That's <laughs> Free advertising. So, um... I'm going to try to figure out how to resize these for the future people who buy them. But uh, if you're a $5 patron, guess what? You're going to get the world's biggest sticker to show your pride. Okay, first of all, you you have to spin it correctly. You're getting a limited edition, um, <laughs> one print only sticker. To show so, your pride. Yeah. To show your pride. It covers you can... your entire chest. Like, I'm a big boy and it covers my entire chest. Like, yo. <laughs> I don't know what oh I... T- this is what we get for pretending like this whole merch thing was going so smoothly and like being proud of ourselves. Yeah. This is what we get. We were, we were really fucking proud of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> that said, um, f- friend of the show, Fran sent us a picture in her paging dr sarah shirt today and it looks yes. amazing and um and friend of the show amanda and one of our patrons sent us her photo of her weaponized your privilege oh did she i must have missed it so i can't I wait to see it. it um and so yeah tag us when you wear it i want to see it on social media please uh, i do too and from Dr. Sarah, she said her heart is full at knowing that so many people have bought paging Dr. Sarah shirts. So oh she was like so I need excited. Sarah in my everyday life. Right. Listen, so today I was hanging out with some friends and I was like, y'all, you're, you're women. I have a question for y'all. And they were like, okay. And I was like, how do I make Sarah stop sitting on my chair? And they were like, nah, dude, she's too nice. She just gets to sit wherever she wants. You got to move. And I was like, that's what I figured the answer was, but I just need a second opinion. Yeah, that's her chair. (laughs) You get to sit in it sometimes. (laughs) So. Like when she's at work, but you better put the pillows back on it just right before she gets home. It is my giant leather armchair recliner. It's a like chair and a half recliner. And uh-huh. she, which I really don't mind her sitting in it. It's just funny. Like I, I got her this rocking chair and I got a recliner. I thought we were going to be that old couple who sits in a rocking chair and a recliner. And instead Sarah sprawls out in the whole recliner and has like chips and pillows and a blanket and a dog all snuggled in with her. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I got you a very comfortable chair. I mean, that sounds adorable. So I don't know right? why you're trying to fuck it up. <laughs> Um, so leave Dr. Sarah alone. Now that oh, speaking of leave Dr. Sarah alone, have you seen that the hashtag Free Britney is trending again? Oh gosh, why now? Um, I haven't followed the whole story, but the first tweet I saw said rapists can hire defense attorneys to defend them, and Britney can't. Do you see the problem? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. So, um. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but you know I'm always on the hashtag Free Britney movement. Amen. Um, I just want Britney to live her best life. Yes. And also, join us on join us on this on this show, girl. We'll go out for brunch. Just give oh my a, God, please. Slide in our DMs. 
Listen, I'm still waiting for Laura Dern and now Britney Spears to slide into our DMs. Okay, so maybe they're just waiting to slide in together, like at the same time, so that we can actually have a coronary. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds plausible. That's definitely what happened. Um, speaking of sliding into our DMs, they have to know how to find us. This is Lifetime Sentence, and I'm Paul. I'm Erin. And um, today we have a fucked up story for you. Dude. So fucked up. But I also found this story and I was so excited. I know. And I was so excited when you shared it with me because you know I love a survivor story. Yeah. So this week I watched Held Hostage. And this movie was like super violent. And I was like, whoa, Lifetime. Sip it down now. <laughs> they were not pulling any punches. They, uh, um, anyways, we had, I watched Held Hostage. It came out in 2009. Um, it stars a lot of Hallmark people. Really? Um, uh-huh. Julie Benz. She plays Michelle. You'll know her from Dexter, Hawaii Five-O, Defiance, Brambo, Christmas Homecoming and Charming Christmas, which I think one was, um, is being done on, one of these movies is being done on Deck the Hallmark this week, so I would look out for one of these actors to be on Deck the Hallmark very soon. Oh. Um, and Natasha Calise, she plays Brea, and let me tell you, she's a little girl in the movie. She is a grown-up now. Okay. I was like, why is that little girl a grown-up? <laughs> <laughs> um, she's from The Possession, The Firm, The Good Doctor, Supernatural, um, Just the Way You Are, which is a Hallmark Valentine's movie. Starring and Bruno when Mars. the heart. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it stars Candace Cameron Bure. Of course it does. Um, I just assume that. And Wind Calls the Heart. Um, Tom Carey, he plays Dave. He's in Open Range, Brokeback Mountain, Wind Calls the Heart, and one of our other favorites that we've covered on the show, Lies My Mother Told Me. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, finally, we have Brendan Penny. He plays Chris Clark, and he is in all the Hallmark movies. Um, I'll just name a few here. The Secret Ingredient, Chesapeake Shores, Easter Under Wraps, Valentine in the Vineyard, and one of my favorites, Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe, with the the remarkable Lacey Chabert. Yes. I love me some Lacey Chabert. And I I liked Pride and Prejudice and Mistletoe, and I loved the Deck the Hallmark episode of Pride and Prejudice and Mistletoe. And additionally, we talk about them an awful lot to not be affiliated with this podcast. I know. We're going to have to get one of them to come on because at this point, I mean, come um, on. Guys, we know you're listening because why wouldn't you be? Yeah. We will not yeah. say fuck on your episode. Well, we'll wait until you're gone. Yeah. Okay. I'll, ble- <laughs> I'll bleep it, but a second too late. So it'll be like, mm-hmm. fuck bleep. Yeah. 
I know Panda is a true crime guy, so... Oh, well, there we go. We've got our foot in the door already. Yeah. So we open on the lovely house in the middle of nowhere at night. The voiceover starts and a woman is talking about being a runner when she was younger and how amazing it felt. The scene quickly changes as the young woman comes flying out of the house, running, and her mother calls out after her. The girl runs down the street and then starts hitchhiking. Boom! Title card. We abruptly switch to a safe and money being counted in one of those bank machines that looks really, really fun to play with. Right? The ones that go... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michelle is stuffing a shitload of money into a bag. Cut back to a different lovely house in the morning time, and Michelle is now telling her daughter, Bria to hurry up and eat breakfast because they're going to be late. She runs out of her front door and directly into a man who startles her, but it's just her brother, Dave. And I was like, oh my God, is that you, FBI Dave? Is this why my Amazon and Facebook are slacking reading my mind lately? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's, whose brother? Michelle or? Michelle. Okay. Michelle's brother. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so they start talking and he mentions their mom and Michelle totally flips out and tells Bria to go get in the car. Then she and Dave get into a little fight about their mom. I can relate to this. Um, (laughs) that was in my notes before. Oh no. Mm -hmm. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Who is calling my work phone at 8.15 p.m.? No, thank you. Um, it's, um, an, it's an insurance emergency. Not on my end. <laughs> um, anyway, so finally Michelle gets in the car and they head off. Michelle gets to work at the bank where she is the branch manager. She heads into a meeting with the clerks about a mortgage. They seem normal enough, but I know this story and something is afoot. Um, Chris starts turning the photos around on her desk and asking her about her kids, which, dude, like, don't touch stuff that's not yours. Right? He starts digging a little further, asking if she's married because he's never heard of subtlety or the fact that women don't like sharing private information about themselves with strangers. He's actually asking her bank account information like, so where'd you grow up? What was the name of your first elementary school? What's your mom's maiden name? Where'd you meet your partner? (laughs) I wish, because then this whole movie would have been different. Right? Mm. That night, Michelle goes on a date. They make it out in the restaurant, and then she takes him home with her for a nightcap. She goes in and tells her, oh my God, kids say the damnedest things. I'll tell you that. She goes in to tell her daughter goodnight and Bria sits up and says, mom, I'm scared of the people at the window. Oh no. And for me, like there would have been a me shaped hole in the wall as I ran out of the house. (laughs) But um, Michelle is more mature than I am. Hey, guess what time it is. She's like. Time. Time for food arrive. Yep. I hate you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Erin. I wish I could. Order me a Dr. Sarah. Do you know any Dr. Sarahs that are looking for any type of domestic partnership at this point? 
she's actually considering it. No. Like, <laughs> Ooh. I'm sorry. Okay, she says she doesn't today, but we'll we'll keep you in mind. Maybe tomorrow. In the meantime, I'll still take a Nintendo Switch. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I should be in Disneyland right or Disney World right now. Okay. Um. Anyways, so I would have freaked out, but Michelle is not phased. She just tells Bria that there are no people at the window. Spoiler alert. There she are. She's wrong. <laughs> um. So Michelle and her daughter, or no, so Michelle. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so Michelle and her date get it on. <laughs> oh, it has been the longest day. I should be in Disney World. Okay. Um, so Michelle and her date get it on, but someone's watching them from across the street. Blech. No, I don't like um, that. The next. The next day at work, Michelle is congratulating her team on a great month. I wonder what that's like. Um, Walter wins employee of the month with not one, but two passes to SeaWorld. Uh-oh. <laughs> this was before Blackfish came out. <laughs> uh, Michelle tells her friend how tired she is from all the hot sex she had last night. Outside, an armored car pulls up and someone is watching. Reporting on the walkie-talkie, the time, and and who's, like, with the car. At the end of the day, Michelle comes home and she and her daughter watch a movie. The phone rings, but no one is there. Then Michelle hears a noise outside, so she goes to investigate. It's like she's never seen Dateline or a horror movie before. Can you imagine? Um, no. I don't want to. So she looks out. Okay, this was so scary. She looks out the window and there's nobody there. And then she moves to her front door and there's like a little curtain over like a window in her front door. And she pulls it back and there is a man dressed in all black with a headlamp just standing outside her door. Yeah, no thanks. I'm busy that day. Let's not do that again. He breaks down the door and tackles Michelle to the ground while Bria screams. Duh. Um, She does a pretty good job of fighting him off, but there's a second attacker, and so they are both subdued. They take Michelle to a chair and gag her. Then they all laugh at her. Yeah, they're mean. Yeah, no thanks. And they tape up Bria. Um, the guy starts smoking in her house, which is just rude, honestly. Like, what the fuck? I heard that they are actually very concerned about decorum while you're a guest in someone's house. <laughs> um, he tells her he's going to ask her some questions that he already knows the answers to. And if she lies, he'll hurt Bria. He asks if she has a security system. And when she says no, he says, quote, you should. There are a lot of crazy people out there. What an asshole. Um, and then he laughs maniacally, because why not? Um, he asks if Bria has a cell phone. And then he asks her if she's going to cooperate. And, of course, she says yes because he has a gun to her head. 
Um, then he starts rubbing her thigh and gets in her face with his gross smoke breath and asks if her boyfriend is coming over that night. Michelle says he doesn't. Ha- she doesn't have a boyfriend, and she said, um, "The guy yells at her some more until someone walkies him to ask what's going on. He tells the woman not to call him anymore." Um, Michelle asks where Bria is and then starts screaming for her. So the guy tapes her mouth shut again and then starts stroking her face. Not not a fan. Not a fan. So gross. Um, Michelle recognizes his ring. It's Chris Clark from the bank. Yay. Now, is he an employee at the bank? No, he was coming to see her about a mortgage. Okay. I remember you saying that now. Yeah. He asks her if she's going to behave and then starts interrogating her about how much money is in the bank. She says between $350,000 and $400,000, and he gets mad again. He finally lets Michelle see Bria. She asks if... Oh, this just pissed me off. She asks if they'll untie Bria... And Chris Clark, which, what a stupid name, um, tells his other goon friend um, to untie her. Instead, the guy just sticks a knife in her face, so the little girl just starts screaming bloody murder, like you do. Um, yeah, no, sir, you're canceled, too. Um, so Michelle begs them to stop and let her untie Bria herself. So she can earn their trust, right? Because she's like, you want to trust me? Like, just let me do this. And so um, she unties Bria, who says she has to go to the bathroom. The guy follows them and watches them. Ew. Michelle gets Bria some water while this guy and his goons sit around eating her Fruit Loops and snacks like they've never seen food before. Well, listen, it takes a lot out of you to be a dickhead who... I don't even have anything, like, quippy to say. I fucking hate them. Does it, though? They pull out some dynamite and a remote detonator that they're going to use to blow her up if she doesn't get the money from her bank. She calls them monsters, which really upsets Mr. Clark, so he charges across the room to hit her, but she starts screaming at him to please hit her because nothing about a gigantic bruise on her face will spoil his plan at all. Damn, she's got some kahunas. Michelle is a badass, indeed. Um, Clark pulls back and Michelle's like, good, now my daughter needs to go to bed. It's past her bedtime, so I'd appreciate it. Everyone shut the fuck up now because we're going to sleep. (laughs) All of a sudden, sudden, Um, she's running the kidnapping. So they go to bed while this dude continues to smoke in her house in her bedroom while he watches Bria sleep. Okay, Edward Cullen, chill the fuck out. Also, that's really gross secondhand smoke for the child. Okay. The next morning, Clark forces her to strip and shower in front of him and then straps the dynamite to Michelle's back. She goes to work and the armored car delivers the money she closes the safe door and begs her friend to help her while the machine is on so he won't be able to hear because they have a microphone right on her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
she's like begging her friend. She's like, they have Bria. Like they're, they're going to kill her. Like, please help me. So she packs up the money and tells her friend not to call anyone until she calls to tell her that Bria is safe. Then she leaves. Um, her friend stops her at the door because she forgot her purse. So she gets in her car and speeds away. Rose then tells everyone that Michelle just left with all the money. That's the friend. Great. Real chill. Yeah. Mr. Employee of the Month is like, I'm pressing this button. And Rose is like, no. <laughs> He's like, now I'm going to get two more tickets. I can take my whole family to SeaWorld. <laughs> um, so Michelle and Mr. Clark are driving. He tells her to pull over and throws her out of the car. He screams at her to count to 50 and then she can move. And also he'll be watching her for the rest of her life. So she better not ever tell anyone or he'll kill her. Great. I love that. Thanks. Michelle counts and then rips the dynamite off herself. She runs to her car. Um, employee of the month back at the bank is like, I'm not going down for this. So he goes and calls the police. I don't know what he thinks he's exactly going down for but okay. Michelle gets home and finds Bria locked in the closet. Um, Miss Michelle untapes her and pulls the dynamite off. And then they run to the neighbor's house for help, and the police are called. Detective Ben Summers comes to ask her some questions, and then separates Michelle and Bria, like, immediately to get their statements. Nah. But, like, she's a child, like... Greg, that's when you bring in a child specialist, sir. You have no business. Mm. He tells them... He set them up in a motel, but not in protective custody, because that would require a risk assessment. So I've decided to do one for them. Great. Creepy dudes with guns. Check. Okay. Creepy dudes that smoke in your house. Check. Okay. They eat your good cereal. Check. Check. They watch you go to the bathroom and shower. Oh, check. Double check. And then they force you to rob a bank while... Re while holding guns to you and repeating threats to murder you and your child. Mm. So I'm going to give this a 15 out of 10. Okay. So they should get all of the protective custody. Mm -hmm. Yes, I support this. And with okay. you knowing the insurance world, I trust that you know risk assessments. So. Thank you. Why won't anyone hire me to be a detective? I'd be so good at it. Listen, I can find anybody's Facebook, anybody's. So I feel like you and I together... Are one whole detective. You do all the other work what? and I just Facebook stalk. Excellent. <laughs> um, detective asks if she has anyone she can call, family, her ex-husband. And Michelle is like, no. And then she asks if paramedics are coming to check them out. And the cop is like, I don't know. What the hell? Oh, yeah. This is a glaring issue with the police. I can't um and i know the real story and this like really happened right it's horrible mm. okay um michelle goes in to grab some stuff for them to take to the motel and when she comes back outside she left bria in the car because she couldn't go in the house and when she comes back outside bria's like crouched down hiding in the back seat poor baby oh my god i know they stop by a store for junk food Duh. 
Um, and that's where Michelle learns, according to the TV, that she's a suspect. Yay! Um, yeah. They pull into the nastiest looking hotel on Earth. Which is like, it has like a hundred shady characters hanging out in the parking lot. So they get inside and poor baby Bria is so upset. Anytime she hears a noise outside, she yells no and then she cries. Oh no. Finally, Michelle builds, Michelle builds them a pillow fort to sleep under. Oh. And gets Bria to go to sleep. Michelle starts having flashbacks and she's like going to the bathroom to wash her face. And she starts having flashbacks, and she doesn't want to wake Bria up, so she just screams into a towel. This is, like, so sad. Um, she finally calls her brother Dave and tells him that she needs him. So he comes to the motel the next morning. He takes Bria out for strawberry milkshakes. Um, Michelle goes to work, and I'm sorry, you don't get some kind of PTO if you get robbed at gunpoint? Nah. In fact... She probably just got reduced to 32 hours so they didn't have to pay her insurance, too. Perfect. Of course, the bank is um, crawling with police officers. And, of course, Detective Summers says he has more questions for her. Um, He starts accusing her of being in on the scheme and having an affair with Chris Clark. Great. He especially thinks so because the dynamite was fake, which is news to Michelle, but he doesn't seem to notice that. Oh, yeah, that she old, her, I had my fiancé tape fake dynamite to my back gag. If I've used it once, I've used it no times. <laughs> but he, um, So later she tells her brother that everyone thinks she's guilty. He encourages her and says she's always been the strong one and she always figures thing out, things out. And uh, he repeats that she's strong, and I hate that. When someone tells you they're going through a hard time, don't ever tell them that they're strong. Right. It makes them want to punch you in the face a lot. Well, and it it invalidates the rest of their feelings. Mm-hmm. Even if that's not how what you're intending. Like, what it's saying is like, well, I don't know why you're upset. You're the strong one. Like... Yeah. It sucks. Um, so they won't let Michelle um, be with Bria while she's questioned, which has every single red flag inside me, like, waving. Right. Detective Summers tells her they found Chris Clark, but there is still something that just doesn't add up. Michelle says she's not involved because she... Um, Oh, okay. He says something doesn't add up about how she's saying she's not involved because she doesn't have a lot of money and robbing a bank would really be lucrative for her. Well, I think robbing a bank would be lucrative for just about anyone. That doesn't mean you do it. Right. Um, oh, and then he's like, you also have a lot of debt. And I was like, oh, you, mm, no. So, I don't like this guy, especially when he throws his book across the table and yells at her. Um, Then he tells her she probably needs to get a lawyer. 
Um, later, the therapist who wanted to talk to, who talked to Bria, wants to talk to Michelle, and tells her that she probably has PTSD and not to bury her feelings on this. She gives Michelle her card and says to call her if Michelle needs help. So, like, Michelle was sitting in the waiting room, like, really upset. And the therapist kind of talked to her and she was, like, kind of scoffing at her. And she's like, listen, I don't work for the police department. <laughs> so, it's okay. Um, Michelle and Bria see the news that the kidnappers and robbers have been arrested. So, they have a family hug and think it's all over. But then Detective Summers calls and says that Chris Clark's wife made some statements about Michelle that he needs clarification on. Of course he... So she... So she goes back to the station and they start um, questioning her about having an affair with Chris Clark because his wife says she was certain that that was happening. So Detective Summers starts yelling about whether Michelle actually saw Sand... Oh, because... Um, sorry. Michelle responds and is like uh that woman was outside the house talking to him on a walkie-talkie right the whole time and he was like oh did you see her because if you didn't see her there's no evidence that she was there okay well bitch there's no evidence i had anything to do with chris what's his head either but here we are <laughs> um then they show her photos oh god that chris clark had of michelle Michelle had been a, uh, an exotic dancer before, and when she quit, she had asked the, the club to, like, take down these pictures of her, and they refused. And so he went and found them and had them saved on his computer as evidence of their affair. Oh, my God. <sighs> then the guy starts asking her if strippers make a lot of money. Um, hey... I would just like to point out to anybody listening, I know that you all know this, but just for clarification's sake, it's not illegal illegal to be a stripper. It's not a crime. And she says as much. She says as much. She's like, I never did anything illegal. Everything I did was legal. And then they're like, oh, you're saying you never slept with anyone for money? And she was like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um. So they accuse her of lying and Michelle loses, like, she loses her shit, and it was great. Um, they then tell her that they didn't recover all of the money, and they think she has it, so she's not allowed to leave town. I hate these people a lot. Uh, um, so, let's see. So, Michelle goes to see the therapist. Um, the therapist tells Michelle that she needs to change how she sees herself. And she tells Michelle that she can't run away from all of this. As she's leaving the therapist's office, the detective comes up to tell her they found the rest of the money. And it turns out Michelle didn't have it at all, after all. And now they don't consider her a suspect. Great. You know? NBD. No, I just wrote, no, get ben. no harm, no foul. He tells her he's sorry. She feels that they were harsh towards her, which I just like to point out is That's not, not an apology. That's not an apology. Shit. Back at the motel, she and her brother have a heart to heart about their past and their mom and how Michelle's not going to run anymore because she wants to give Bria a better life. So Bria and Michelle move into a new apartment. Michelle's going to testify at court. So Bria gives her a school picture of herself to like, for her to look at if she feels like 
uh, scared. Oh. I know. Um, so she testifies while Chris Clark stares daggers at her. Um, Michelle can't be in the courtroom since she is the prosecution's witness, so Dave attends the trial for her. The defense lawyer is a fucking dipshit like they all tend to be in these movies. All of the defense's accusations hit the papers. Michelle calls the prosecutor who says, and this pissed me off so bad, but it's true. He says, quote, trial isn't about truth. It's about gamesmanship. That's unfortunately very true. I know, but it still makes me mad. Oh, it makes me mad too. (laughs) Because that's not how it's supposed to be. Chris Clark is testifying, which seems really stupid, but who am I to judge if this guy gets thrown into jail forever? Um, In fact, why doesn't he just go ahead and um, fire his defense team and just represent himself? That'd be great. God, I wish. Um, So in the middle of court, so, you know, Chris Clark's telling the story about his, like, huge affair with Michelle, blah, blah, blah. And Dave just yells out in the middle. He's like, oh, come on. He's lying. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's the brother energy we need in our lives. Right? (laughs) Um, Now Michelle is on the stand. The prick-ass defense attorney starts asking her mean questions. And hi, us folks with no savings or retirement accounts, don't just go rob banks to supplement our income. Thanks. You, you, we don't? Sarah, we gotta take it all back. Um, I really want her to stand up and punch him in the face, but she doesn't. Um, Prosecutor tells her to get a hold of herself because she's being a hot witness. It was a bit. You didn't have to come running. (laughs) (laughs) She was like winded. Like, what? Paging Dr. Sarah, indeed. You're already going to be revoked of your privileges. Um, so she's being a hostile witness because this guy's a fucking jackass. Um, the defense lawyer's next strategy is to bring up her stripping. He asks her if she convinced her daughter to go along with this as a game. And Michelle lets him have it. But politely this time. She took my Mimi's lesson on tact very well, and she used it. Good for her. What the fuck did he think? So have I ever told you about, I'm sure I have, about how I really wanted to do criminal law? Yes. And I knew that I could not be a defense attorney because I'm not that skeezy. And I knew I couldn't mm-hmm. be a prosecutor because I would ex- I would send people to jail who had done nothing. And so <laughs> that's why I couldn't. But like defense, that kind of defense is so skeezy. And they shouldn't be allowed to do that. Like, well, so here's my thing. If you can't find a better defense than that, you need to just quit. Like you need to find a new job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, the jury, so it goes to the jury. The jury comes back. And surprise, surprise, he's guilty as fuck for robbery, kidnapping, and kidnapping for ransom. Bye! Um, 
This is the sweetest thing ever. Michelle goes for a walk with Bria and asks her what she would say to the men if she ever had to see them again. And Bria says, quote, I would tell them I hope they get better in their heart. Oh, which is a sign that Michelle is a good mama. Like, that's what that. Totally. So now it's time for the victim impact statement, which the defense lawyer asks the judge if it's even relevant. Nah, listen, you're right. The, um, The victim wasn't even impacted. Like, she just, she's good as gold. Yeah. Well, he didn't get quite the tongue lashing that Larry Nasser did, but um, he, the judge is like, you need to sit down and shut up, please. So, <laughs> um, Michelle makes her statement and she says she really wanted to say things that would hurt him and stick with him for the rest of his life. But instead, she took her daughter's track. She makes the full statement while we see Michelle and Bria driving through town laughing They pull into a driveway, and Bria says, Mom, where are we? Surprise, they're at her mom's house to, like, make up. Oh. They all hug, and it's precious. Um, Quote, Michelle Renee has become an international advocate of victims' rights and travels across the country speaking on post-traumatic stress disorder and violence against women and children. She and her daughter Bria reside in Southern California, If you would like to learn more about PTSD and current victims' efforts, please contact the United States Department of Justice, Office of Violence Against Women at justice.gov slash OVW. The end. Oh, wow. That sounds like a really good movie. It was. I was impressed. How Do you know how closely involved Michelle was with the writing or making of this film? I don't know, but I know it's based on her book. Right. Because she did so write she a book. she at least gave that's... them the rights to that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so this week I have the fewest references or like work cited I have ever had because mm-hmm. I just got her firsthand story from I Survived on Lifetime and then the podcast I Survived, which you mentioned to me is a thing. And I Survived is on A&E, not Lifetime. Oh, it's on the Lifetime app. So th- oh, there you so, go. Okay. Uh, they're all part of the same network, but you're right. It does show yeah. on the A&E yeah. channel, but um, I got it through the Lifetime and app. And that's how, that's how I found this is that I was listening to the I Survived podcast and I was like, this story is crazy. And then she was like, there's a Lifetime movie about it. And then I was intrigued. So right. here we are. <laughs> All right. So Michelle Renee grew up in an abusive household and she decided young to get away from her home life ASAP. She ran away from home at 15 and she started working to support herself full time then. And she said she never quit after that. Um, so oh. flash forward to 2000. Michelle is the assistant vice president of a bank and a single mom. They live in East Vista, California. And she just describes a very normal day in November. She's rushing to get her daughter ready. Then she rushes to get to work on time. She said she had a ton of loan documents to work on that day. Like that just stuck out as something that she had going on. Um, Mm -hmm. And really the only other thing that stuck out in her memory was a gentleman who came in to meet with her who 
just seemed odd, she said. Nothing seemed particularly memorable about that day. Um, it was just, you know, your average day. Um, after work, she had to go to a school event with Bria. Bria said it was like an open house or something to that effect. Um, Mm -hmm. her daughter Bria was seven years old. And so they went to this event and then they went home for the night. Um, Michelle said that before dinner, they decided to just kind of chill out and relax on the couch. And so they're just talking and giggling and like being a mom and a seven year old daughter and watching TV and you know, whatever you do. When the next thing Michelle knew this explosive thundering sound rang through her house, but for some reason, I put this explosive book sound. So um, I remember okay. her saying it was a thundering sound. That was her direct quote. But I decided book was actually a much more convincing term than thundering. So you're welcome for that very flowery language. Thank you. I didn't ask for it, but here we are. So the explosion rang out through the house and Michelle turns to see three men dressed in all black, wearing masks and carrying guns. They'd kicked in her door and were closing in on her SWAT style, as she said. No, thank you. She turned to look at Bria and Bria had already gotten up to run and hide in the bathroom. Like she'd taken off halfway across the house, which go like. Good girl. (laughs) Um, Bria said her only thought was there's a small window in the bathroom that she knew she could fit through. So if she could make it, she thought she could just wiggle through the window and be gone. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> she could have. Right. Like smart thing, especially for a seven year old. Like that's quick on your feet. I know feet. she could have gotten out, called 911. It would all have been different. Uh, unfortunately though, one of the men grabbed Bria by the hair and yanked her back to the couch. Um, he, no, thank you. He Then he put a gun to her head and forced her face down on the floor. Um, then they um, grabbed Michelle and pushed her face first into the carpet also, held a gun to her head, and told her that she needed to shut up arguing with them or they'd pistol whip her in front of her own daughter. Uh, no, thank you. They told her that they were there because she was the manager of the bank down the street and that they were going to stay with her all night until she agreed to clean out the bank vault for them. If she didn't agree, they would murder her daughter in front of her and then they'd kill her too. Okay. And then just for a moment of like a breath of fresh air, I had to laugh because interspersed with this story, for those of you who are unfamiliar with I Survived, it's usually two, but sometimes three stories interspersed through the whole thing. And so you'll get the Mm -hmm. beginning and middle and end in parts. And so like Mm -hmm. at this point it cuts to black and it shows the like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The reenactment actor, like face down on the floor. And it cuts to these two boys who were like 17 and 19. They were good old boys from Florida who were stuck out on a boat because they were fishing. And like, I know it's not funny because you don't wind up being on I Survived unless you live through something really traumatic. But like, it just cuts from this woman with her head on the ground with a gun pushed to it to like, well, I called Bobby and I was like, hey, let's go fishing today. And Bobby was like, that's a good idea. Let me get my pole. And we went out. We go out fishing all the time. It was like any other normal day. Like, <laughs> 
till the gators came. <laughs> right. Um, and they were stuck out at sea, so it was pretty traumatic. But um, yeah. again, it was just a really funny juxtaposition. Yeah. So, um, so Michelle went on to explain when it cut back to her that the largest of the three men was on her back holding her down and she heard the sound of duct tape being unrolled behind oh. her. They taped her and she continued to hear the sound of duct tape. So she assumed they were taping Bria as well. So then they started asking her questions about the inner workings of the bank saying that they were asking her questions. They already knew the answers to, to see if she would lie to them. Right. They asked her particulars like when Brinks dropped the money off every morning, um, when people got into the bank, when it was going to be the busiest time, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, the regular comings and goings of the bank. Um, And then they told her that they needed a specific amount of money from the vault, but I don't remember if they actually said what that amount was. They just told her like, okay, you know what? uh, We need $140,000 or whatever, you know? Sure. Um, So... Then And they told her it was her job to get it for them. They also told Michelle that they had been staking her out. They knew her daily routine, where she ate, when she ate, where she went to get ice cream with her daughter. They knew where her daughter went to school. They'd been casing the bank, Michelle, and her daughter for over two months. Yeah. How fucking terrifying is that? Oh, I know. Well, and then it made me think like... Would I even know if somebody watched me for two months? Like, oh my, what if someone's been, I'm, well, first of all, I'm real boring. So that's a real boring two months. <laughs> but second of all, that's terrifying. Um, I think at the time of COVID, but like, so as a woman, <laughs> this is why, this is why they tell you to like switch up your routine and not to drive the same way to work and home every single day. And to park in different spaces and stuff. Huh. So that way people can't follow you. Yeah. One of my examples but of male privilege is no one teaches me that. I haven't done a damn thing. Right. Hmm? I said one of my examples of male privilege is no one has ever taught me that. Nobody has to teach me that. Like. Yeah. I'm well aware that I have male privilege in that aspect. Um. So they finally allow Michelle to see Bria because Michelle's cooperating. And when she looks over, Bria is face down on the floor, duct taped up, and a man is standing over her pointing a gun at her back. Oh my, she is seven. What the fuck is she going to do? Then they showed Michelle their duffel bag full of ammunition and extra guns. And then they showed her their supply of dynamite that they were going to strap on Michelle and Bria's bodies. Oh, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. I just remembered I'm allergic to dynamite. So I'm if we could not. I'm allergic. Um, I will die. So then uh, they warned Michelle and Bria that if they didn't follow their orders to the letter, they would detonate the dynamite. Which here's my thing is I'm such a little asshole. Like, and I'm not saying that in real life that this is what I would do. But the thought that I immediately had was like, well, then I'm going to dick around right there because they're not going to blow themselves up. I know that when I'm strapped with fake dynamite on my body, I'm going to act completely different. But like Petty Paul is like. <laughs> I I know. I always think about stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to die because I'm going to say the wrong sarcastic thing in the wrong moment. But I'm like, I probably won't. Like, 
It'll be for some other reason. I often think that I'm going to be that meme that's like, oh, what do you, oh, you've got a knife. What are you going to do? Stab me? And like, those are my last words. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, Michelle said that in this moment, her senses kicked into overdrive and she starts noticing and mentally cataloging everything she can. While she was faced out on the carpet, she knew that the leader of the three men was wearing black Doc Martin boots when she was pulled mm-hmm. up to her knees, she noticed the types of clothing they were wearing, the tags and brand names on all of their like jeans and any possible identifiers. She cataloged everything she could in hopes that she would be freed and could help the police capture the men later. Wow. So they made her repeat their plan over and over and over to them all night so that they could verify that she was going to stick to their agenda and um, to stick to the plan that they'd laid. Michelle also mm-hmm. said their language was very sexually explicit, is the way she described it. They tell her over and over all of the disgusting things they wanted to do to her. Um, Gross. And so then she said she was overcome more with the fear that the men were planning on raping her and especially her daughter. Yeah, um, fucking keep it to yourself. Thank you. Um, so they stayed in constant contact with what they claimed to be a team of six men who were all waiting outside the house. Uh, and then I wrote, boys, I hate to tell you, but nine people is too many. Aaron always says the only secret is the one you keep with yourself. It's a true story. <laughs> um, so she- It's a true story. That's why anytime someone tells me that COVID is like a worldwide conspiracy, I'm like, so you mean that everyone in the world is keeping a secret so that Donald Trump will win the election or will lose the election and nobody said anything this whole time. Right. Right. Seems legit to me. Um, so she said they communicated with each other over walkie talkies, referring to different calls, call signs. She said that they said things like money, one to money, two money, two to money, three mm-hmm. over. And so then I imagined this whole conversation that obviously did not happen, but I'm now going to subject you all to it. (sighs) Yes, money one. This is money two. When this is over, I... What? Over? No, I said when this is over, I... What what do you mean when it's over? Over? No, I said... Oh, fuck it. (laughs) So I just... I was like, (laughs) these bumbling idiots just on walkies trying to have this serious conversation. Money three is going to get shot in the head. Like, it's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Eventually, the men allowed Bria to sit beside Michelle on the couch because they are so kind and gracious and giving. Yeah, they are. Um... She tried everything she could to comfort her daughter. She stroked her hair. She hugged her. And finally, when it was pretty late at night, Michelle told the men that she needed to use the bathroom. The leader, who was a short and stocky man, told the others he'd take her. Michelle said that he walked her into the bathroom and he flipped on the bathroom light. And the minute the light came on, she caught a glimpse of the man's eyes in the light. And that's when she noticed it was the same man who'd been in her bank that needed to meet with her earlier that day. She said that she knew in her heart of hearts. Also, I typed um, that he had been at the Mank earlier, M-A-N-K. So I was real good at typing that day. Yeah, you are. Um, She said... I thought he said he'd been at the Mank, and I was like, what an idiot. No, uh -uh, (laughs) it was me. I am an idiot. Um, But she said that 
like he was really freckly and even like his eyelids in the area around his eyes were freckly and so when the lights came on it was like she caught the freckles for just fast enough to notice it was him to which i'm like if you have a very defining feature like you have freckles on your eyelids maybe don't kidnap people yeah um also where's the weirdest place you have a freckle I don't know. I don't know a weird place. Like, I have very few freckles. I never really did growing up. Um, actually, so there's a TikTok that talks about every guy has a freckle right here on his arm, and I definitely do. Mm-hmm. But that's the closest thing. I have a freckle on my lip. Really? On the uh-huh. inside of your I'll lip? You. No, it's just on. Hold on. Okay. I have to find it. Mm. Okay. Um, this is really good radio. Everyone's listening to you find a freckle. <laughs> yeah, like right here. Oh, interesting. Huh. Mm-hmm. So she said that that man had come by her desk earlier that day and he'd made her very uncomfortable just in conversation. Um, and so... Um, also his eyes were very distinctive. They were large, red, bulging, droopy, and watery, she said, and that they were just kind of unsettling. So that whole, like, eye area was super uh, noticeable. Um, she said as soon as she realized who this man was, she remembered that he'd given her his business card earlier that day and that she'd put it in the top right drawer of her desk. Mm -hmm. Um, so she said she also counted the tiles on the bathroom wall so she could give an accurate description of his height to the police. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's. I remember that from the thing that I watched and I was like that or listened to it and I was like, that is genius. Yeah. I would never think of that. Right. She's just a badass, better ass than you and I could ever dream of being. Mm-hmm. Um, when she went back to the living room, she told her daughter, if we make it out alive, everything will be okay, which is just so fucking heartbreaking. To start with, yeah. if we make it out. like, um, So to make matters worse, Michelle's roommate came back from a party around 1130 that night. The men grabbed her and dragged her into her room. Um, she, oh, yeah. There was no roommate in this story. Yeah. That's why I was like, I kept waiting for you to talk about the roommate. And I'm like, well, they deleted a whole ass person. Yep. Um, <laughs> completely side note. When I was in college... I was in line to um, at the cafeteria and the woman who was at the mm-hmm. cash register wouldn't let me check out because she had to tell me her entire life story because I have that face, I guess. But the thing she was mad about that day was that she needed to have the day off because somebody had died, but her boss wouldn't let her take the day off because she was out of like days off, I guess. Um Sure. And so she said, but last week when his dog died, he took a day off. I knew a whole ass person who died and I couldn't take the day off. And I think about her all the time. I hope she is a doing well. whole ass person. <laughs> that is delightful. Um, so the roommate comes home. They nab her. They drag her into her room. She puts up a fight. She's screaming. She's calling them names. And so this brought out an even more aggressive side of the men. They pointed guns at all three of the hostages and told the roommate that if she didn't cooperate, they'd blow her head off in front of Michelle and Bria. 
Yay. So she spent that night on the couch. So Michelle spent that night on the couch crying and holding her daughter, afraid this might be the last time they see each other alive, while the roommate sat and like squirmed in her bedroom, taped up and um, basically being beaten. Like mm-hmm. they actually got physical with her. Oh, that's sad. Um, so the ringleader comes over to Michelle around 630 in the morning and tells her it's time to get up, time to get ready for work. He then reminded Michelle that... He's like, I don't feel good. Yeah, listen, I already put in for the day off. Like, I was supposed mm. to take Bria to literally anywhere else but here. Like, sorry, I cannot I change my plans. Va- I have a vacation day. <laughs> I cannot cancel on myself again. <laughs> so, um... He reminded Michelle that he'd kill them all if she didn't cooperate... After she got ready for work, he told her that it was time to strap the dynamite onto her body. They duct taped two sticks to her back and her ribs so tightly that she couldn't breathe properly. Then they strapped two sticks on her daughter as well. Bria started to cry and complain that it hurt too much. She begged over and over to know what was on her and Michelle just kept reassuring her that everything was okay. Mm-hmm. So after that, the leader pulled Michelle by the arm onto the couch and pushed Bria afterward. He told them that they had 10 minutes to say whatever they needed to say to each other, because if one of them didn't cooperate, they would be killed. So Okay, well, one of them's seven, so can we not? Right. Also, one of them is Michelle, so can we not? Listen, there's a strict rule that you're not allowed to kill people. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it's like nearly <laughs> in the law. <laughs> Oh, so uh, Michelle being the badass mom that she is just reminded Bria how amazing she is. She said she just looked in her eyes and said that you're exactly what I ever hoped for when I plan to be a mom. You have made me so proud, like just really built Bria up and spent those 10 minutes telling her how amazing she was. So So after that, the leader shoves Bria into a closet and locks her in. Um, but she starts bawling on the way to the closet. So Michelle thinks quickly and she gives her a piece of paper and a pen and she told her, write mommy a letter so I can write it when I, so I can read it when I get back. And that gave her a project to keep her mind off of everything. Exactly. Oh, that's so sweet. So Michelle said after that, that she went totally numb and basically checked out. She knew that she had to do whatever they said in order to save her daughter's life Then she went on autopilot as the leader said, it's time to go to work. She shut out the world and tried to do what was required of her. So when Michelle gets to the bank, the first thing she does is actually go to her desk and open the right hand drawer where she'd put the business card just to make sure that it was still there. It was there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's what I would do. So then she picked up her phone to check her voicemail and then quickly remember that she was told not to touch the phone at all. So she hangs it up immediately and panics, afraid that she's going to be blown up any minute. But she hadn't dialed. But it's like, it's like, it's like muscle. Like force of habit. Memory. Like when I get into the office, I have things that I do immediately every morning and I don't think about it. Right. I just do them. Right. Um, She said she hadn't dialed any numbers, though, so it appeared the men were not angered enough to blow her up yet. 
So then she went about business as usual, scurrying about, trying to help her employees, getting the bank ready to open for the day. She tried to stay as calm and normal as possible. Um, And when the Brinks armored truck came, Michelle had to take another employee with her into the vault because everything in the bank vault requires dual authorization. So while they were Mm -hmm. in the vault, away from the eyes and ears of everybody else and all the sounds were going, like you said, the cash machine was counting and all that. um, Yeah. Michelle whispered to tell her employee what was happening. She told her the story of the break-in from the night before and she like lifted up her shirt to show her the dynamite strapped to her body. And she asked her employee to write down any distinctive numbers or information that might be on the dynamite. Then she begged her not to call the police until Michelle couldn't check for sure that Bria was safe. Um, Yeah, no kidding. And I think that she told them, but I didn't write it down. I might have written it down later. She said she told the employee that she could call like the corporate security because that would take mm-hmm. longer than the cops getting there. And that way it would buy her some time to check on Bria. But mm-hmm. I, like I said, I might have written, down that, written that down later. But I remember that from her interview. Um, so at this point, the employee begins to panic. And Michelle had to calm her down on top of everything else that she's going through. Like, stop, don't, no, don't make this about you. I literally Get have a together. bomb on me. This is not about you. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, here it is. She told her to calm down and call corporate security and not the police. She warned her that her daughter and roommate were also being held hostage. Then Michelle grabbed what she could take for the men who were holding her hostage. She wound up taking around $340,000, but at the time she had no idea how much she grabbed. They told her how to layer the money in a bag. They wanted like the hundreds on bottom and then the fifties and the twenties and like stack it big to small. I'm sorry. I don't have time for your nonsense. Right. I'm like, bitch, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Exactly. (laughs) And, um, they instructed her not to use any funny money or marked money. Um, they warned her that if she did, then they would come back for her and kill her. Yeah. So she didn't use any marked bills. She went against bank policy and did exactly as she was instructed. She took the, then she walked out with the bag, dropped it into the passenger seat of her car and drove the gunman to a specific drop off point. Then she was told to get out, like, uh, get it, get out of the car, count to 50. And then she could get in the car and drive home. So before like between leaving for work and the drop off lasted just under an hour, which I'm sure felt like an entire lifetime. Uh, yeah, no shit. Um, all Michelle could think about was getting home to see her daughter and make sure she was still safe. When Michelle got home, Mm -hmm. though, another fear hit her. Her roommate's car was gone. Um, The front door had been barricaded with chairs. She had to force her way in and started screaming, hello, hello. And after agonizing seconds that she said felt like lifetimes, she heard her daughter scream back, mommy, we're back here. So when Michelle gets back to the back bedroom, her roommate was still in the bed where she'd been left the night before and Bria was still crammed in the closet, but their dynamite had been removed. Unlike Michelle's. So Michelle's home with the dynamite still strapped to her body and Bria and the roommate are free. Bria and the roommate were still bound by the duct tape though. So Michelle cut them free. Then um, 
Michelle instructed the roommate to call the cops and her roommate was like, no, no, listen, they just ripped that dynamite off of us like unceremoniously. I can do it to you. It's not going to explode because at the time they still didn't know that it was dummy. Right. Um, so the roommate rips Michelle's dynamite off and then they all run to the neighbor's house to call the police. Uh, How terrifying is that? We are like, okay, rip this dynamite off me. Right. So Michelle gets questioned by the police initially, and she actually remembers a lot of those small details I mentioned earlier, the Doc Martin boots, the eyes, the guy's card in her desk, Mm -hmm. all those things. Um, The FBI and police initially were very grateful that she remembered so much, and they acted quickly when she mentioned that she'd stuck the card in of the leader on the desk. Um, It helped them discover that the man's name was Christopher Butler. So, not quite such a stupid name. Uh, I'm going to say it's still stupid. After it all... Stick with my earlier assessment. So, after it was all over that day, Michelle's boss handed her the keys to a rental car and the address for uh, a hotel that he'd paid for her to stay at. Um, So, at at least it was a little bit better than what they showed in the movie. Um, Not much, but a little bit. Um, so she, um, she said on her drive to the hotel, she kept stopping and looking around and checking over her shoulder to make sure she wasn't being followed. At one point that night, hotel, in in the hotel, um, balloons were popping in a nearby room and Michelle and Bria hid under the bed, triggered by the gunshot sounds. Oh, she said the police came back to the hotel room, like to the hotel many, many times to ask her questions. They asked her to come sit in a completely empty room. They said that they were going to get evidence for her to look at, but when she got there, they just interrogated her for several hours. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> they asked her point blank if she'd been involved in it. They brought up her abusive past and the fact that she'd run away from home at 15 and the fact that she'd been married previously. Um, she said that she broke down and she told them that they were despicable, but I think I made that word up. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think she used that word. I think I did, but it's still, I think she might've. Okay. Um, for assuming that she would do anything to hurt her daughter. So police finally cleared Michelle of possible involvement in the robbery. Um, and then she said that she felt completely re-victimized by all of this And then, of course, they were dragged into their courtroom where she was victimized again. The judge, in fact, at the end, criticized police tactics, saying this poor family has been victimized not once, not twice, but now three times because of you. Yeah. Um, Juniper is not impressed. Not impressed. Junie's so pretty. Hi, Junie. I know. Um, My baby. Once she was cleared of being involved, the police instructed her to leave the state until court proceedings. So she actually flew Bria out to Alaska to live with her paternal grandmother while Michelle figured out her next steps. Um, Michelle mm-hmm. said that she ultimately decided to sell all of their possessions in their house. Oh, I loved this part of the story. I forgot. Uh-huh. And so, this was so cool. They, she sold basically everything they owned and she drove from California to Alaska, stopping to camp the whole way there and took her time to get there. Michelle described it as a turning point in her healing process. She said that she learned to trust people again along the way and relived some of her favorite childhood memories. 
Um, Mm -hmm. She saw a bunch of kids jumping off a bridge into a river and thought of when she and her brothers would do similar things. So she just pulled her car over on the side of the road and joined them jumping into the river as well. Yeah. And like as a writer, that's a very symbolic act. And it sounds like in the held hostage book, they replaced this whole thing with the brother which is symbolic yeah. in a different way, but I kind of like this idea of jumping into the river and coming out refreshed and renewed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, she said that everywhere she stopped, she asked strangers for like things to see along the way. And so she took these detours to see beautiful parks and like natural, um, natural wonders that were just along the way. Um, she, Mm. the trip took nine days total and Michelle made it in time to see Bria for her birthday. And, um, so Bria said that she actually liked getting to start at a new school. Um, she didn't have to explain the trauma that she'd gone through. She didn't have to answer any Mm -hmm. questions about her experiences, because mm-hmm. nobody knew anything she'd been through. All they knew was that she hadn't right. lived in Alaska and then she did. So they wanted to know like what what's up with the new kid? Yeah. Um so then it came time for the trial and Michelle and Bria were ready to move back to California. The kidnappers were tried in two different trials because they were four people total, two of them sat at each trial. Um, Michelle, like you said, was a, uh, witness for the defense. So she couldn't attend the first trial. She only came in when it was time to give her testimony. When she didn't, mm-hmm. what she didn't know though, was that Christopher Butler, who was the leader had said that she was in on the whole thing and that they were dating. So the defense crafted this story, drawing on Michelle's past and painted an image of a poor destitute woman who was so down on her luck that she was involved in sex work. And to be clear, Michelle had been an an adult dancer, is I think how she put Mm -hmm. it, 15 years before this event. So it's not like she was something she was currently doing, A. And B, even if she were a sex worker, that is not the same as being a bank robber. But she wasn't even a sex worker. She was a dancer. Like, check your Uh, fake, check your patriarchy, assholes. It is like that thing um, that they talk about. They talk about it a lot in Serial. Where it's like, or I think actually TCO covered it or talked about it in their coverage of Serial. But they're talking about, you know, uh, Adnan, he stole from the mosque and, uh, you know, he. but it was like kid stuff. Right. You know, you steal money from the mosque. Doesn't make you a, a murderer. Right. <laughs> it's like just, you can be an exotic dancer. You can be a sex worker and it doesn't make you a a murderer. Aaron, that is a gateway crime. Oh <laughs> I just, yeah. Well, and the worst part is, is she didn't know that any of this was being said about her. She went to the grocery store and was standing in the checkout line and saw it as a headline on a new, on the local newspaper while she was in the grocery store. Yep. So, um, The good news is that um, within nine days of her um, running, like by the time she made it to see Bria in Alaska, all of the, Mm -hmm. all of them had been arrested. Um, 
Christopher Butler was eventually sentenced to three consecutive life terms plus 64 years for kidnapping and armed robbery. Um, this was short. This was shortened to two consecutive lifetime sentences, lifetime sentences plus 64 years after an appeal. And I was like, great job guys. You really made a difference there. Assholes. So it's, yeah, for real. Um, his accomplices well, in, in the, in the movie, you can correct me if it's wrong in real life. But he had done this before. I did not have that information, but that wouldn't surprise me. Um, Especially because he got a much greater charge than everybody else involved. Yeah. The other... Well, because the cops that were questioning her were like, well, why would a career criminal who already robs banks decide to switch things up and use you to rob a bank, huh? Oh, thanks. How the fuck would I know? You cracked the case there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so the other two men who were involved each received 32 years as for Lisa Ramirez um, she was the fourth person involved she actually confessed and in the mm-hmm. court I mean when she was giving her testimony her confession testimony um, rather like when she was giving her interview to the police she even laughed in her interview that the dynamite was her idea but what a bitch she um was she didn't get anything because right um because she was being tried with um Christopher Butler and his defense team blocked her confession being um played for the jury because even though she confessed he Christopher Butler had not Mm-hmm. So she confessed and still was found not guilty because they weren't allowed to hear her testimony. Wow. Yep. So, Our legal system is just so good. So good. Yep. So um, Michelle never returned to that house or to her bank to her bank job, and she and her daughter have obviously suffered severe post traumatic stress. And I mm-hmm. just wanted to leave you with a couple of quotes from her. She said, it's never over for survivors. Even though we did survive and we're choosing a very positive path, it doesn't mean that we don't have to cope with the effects of a violent victimization almost every day of our lives. And then she said, but I survived because I'm my daughter's mother and I survived because there's so much more life to live for me. And that is the story of the incredible Michelle Renee. Yes. Um, She's incredible, for sure. For sure. So, next week, we have a very special request. Do we? We do. We've discussed it. I just couldn't remember for a second. (laughs) I'm the one who asked you if we could do it because we got this request. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Um, Jesus, take the wheel. No. <laughs> um, the movie is called. I'm checking our DMs. Do 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 do. Yes, and shout out to um, our listener Chrissy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to Chrissy for um, recommending this movie to us. 
the Texas yes. Cadet movie. Um, yes. So she, she said this is the case that got her started on Lifetime movies. And so I'm curious because I know nothing about it. I don't either. I'm very excited. Um, and then also over the weekend, Lifetime played a bunch of true crime movies. So I, I recorded them. We'll talk about it over the week. Oh, what's we're going to do next. Great. Um, also, what else do we have to tell the people? Um, I don't have anything else to my knowledge. Um, buy our merch. You can find links everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. and then our not like our normal everywhere you can find us. Look us. Oh, re- leave us a rating. In fact, my, um. I've not even talked to Erin about this. I'm springing this on it. Like I'm springing it on her with you guys. Um, I would like to run a contest. Um, every, Yay! Everyone who leaves a review in the month of July and DMs us with the screenshot of your review will be entered in a giveaway for a Weaponize Your Privilege shirt. Yay! Let's do that. So leave us a rating screenshot, send it to us. You can DM it to us. You can on Instagram, on Twitter, you can email it to us at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. However you need. So what's our Instagram handle? Lifetime sentence. And our Twitter is life sentence pod. Facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. You can slip in our DMS there. I didn't know that was a thing, but we have had a listener slip in there. And that's how I yes. discovered that we have DMS there. Um, yes. And then also, please join our Patreon. $1 for all the audio content. $5 gets you in our Instagram close friends. You get all of our audio content. Plus, you get a sticker. And also, you get other fun things like our watch parties and things that we kind of do um, sporadically, um, you know, just to keep you all entertained. Absolutely. Um, but mostly the thing that I need for you to do is to eat all of your vegetables. Charge your phone. I want my shirt. I will send it to you. No, my, oh, yeah. my charge your phone shirt. Working on it. Working on it. I'm talking to, I'm going to talk to the same designer that did our weaponize your privilege shirts. So, cause oh. I like her work. All right. Well, yeah. thanks y'all. Love you. And I'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.